Good morning, and today's reading is from Luke's Gospel, chapter 11. I'm reading from verse 1 to verse 13. Jesus' teaching on prayer. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. And then he said to them, Suppose one of you had a friend who goes to him at midnight and said, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing set before him. Then the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives He who seeks find, and to him who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you is fathers, if his son asked him for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asked for an egg, will give him a scorpion? For if then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Yes, we're continuing on in our series in uh, prayer and we're looking uh, at the second part of the Lord's Prayer that uh, many of us are familiar with uh, and which we just saw a version of in uh, Luke chapter 11 that Jesus taught his disciples. I'm going to pray, ironically, that uh, (laughs) before we deep dive into looking at the second part of the Lord's Prayer a little bit more. Let's talk to God. Gracious Father and Almighty God, we thank and praise you for the immense privilege it is to be able to access your word, hear the teachings of Jesus, and have our hearts and our minds changed accordingly. We ask that by your spirit that might be the case, as your Son and our Saviour continues to guide us and teach us and instruct us in prayer. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Uh, A few weeks ago, um, uh, on a a weeknight, I'd finished watching the latest episode of Stranger Things and uh, we'd all gone to bed and turned out all the lights and uh, I'd fallen asleep into a pretty deep sleep, to be honest. It was an uncommonly uh, good sleep. And then I heard someone knocking at our door and calling out to me. Um, It was my neighbour. He was actually my mate. uh, And I I looked at the clock. It was 1am or around about then. It's 15 past (laughs) one. And I dragged my, uh, myself out of bed, and as I opened the door, I said, hey, what's up? Uh, and he started telling me about a girl uh, that he knows, that, he traveled, that she'd travelled all night and day, and uh, she just turned up uh, at his place, and she was really hungry. Uh, but he didn't have enough food for her to eat, and uh, I was wondering if I could give him some, like a quarter past one in the morning. Um, he obviously saw me hesitate a little bit, and, uh, and he said he followed it up with, um, look, I told her you're a Christian and a minister. I wonder what your reaction would have been 
I know what I was thinking. Well, that's a little manipulative. It's one in the morning. My family's in bed. You've probably woken them. Thanks a lot. And uh, I've got an early you know, rise to go to work tomorrow. Uh, can't your friends survive until the morning? Can we do that, that then? Maybe you would have thought something similar. But what would you have done? I'm sure like me, even though uh, your neighbour had been shameless and uncouth in his timing and his manner, uh, you'd go and grab some food from him, wouldn't you? And give it to him. Now, I made that story up. <laughs> just the same way Jesus did when he told a similar story that we just read, right? Uh, to make a point. To make a point about what's commonly called the Lord's Prayer. That he's just taught his disciples. Here's the point that he was making with that story. That God is nothing like us when he's asked for good things. Even when people ask shamelessly and indelicately, like that made-up friend and neighbour, for those who are trusting in Jesus, God's always more than happy and predisposed to give us what we ask. No matter how indelicate, no matter how brazen we might come across in the asking. And so Jesus teaches his disciples then to ask and to ask for certain things. And so that's where we're going today with the second part of the Lord's Prayer. But uh, let's recap on uh, where we've been looking at over the last uh, few uh, weeks on prayer. Uh, the first week we saw that the most important prayer, the most important prayers are Jesus' prayers. Firstly, we've seen that uh, that he not only died in our place for living uh, the way, well, for, for us not living the way that we should have, but he lived the righteous life that we should have lived also in our place, including in his righteous prayers. As such, we can only come to God in Christ, that is by faith in his righteous life and death for us, in his righteous prayers for us. And then we saw that the pattern of prayer, as we know it now, by faith in Christ, is to ask God to keep his promises. And then last week we, we touched on the first bit of the Lord's Prayer and the richness of calling on God, our Father in heaven, to the praise of his holy name, asking that everything and everyone submit to Jesus as per God's will. And so that's where we pick it up uh, again today as we look at the rest of this model prayer in three parts. So the first bit, give us our daily bread, uh, Forgive us our sins, and then uh, finally, lead us not into temptation. So that's that's where we're going this morning. So first up, uh, give us today our daily bread, which seems like a pretty straightforward request, right? Uh, if you take it literally, but maybe a little bit uh, limited. What if you're trying to cut down on carbs? Yeah. What if you're not into bread? Can you ask God for some meat? Um, Daily meat and veg instead? Well, the word bread is actually quite significant here uh, when Jesus says bread. Not just because bread is what most people in Jesus' day were used, uh, used for, for growing, uh, to growing for, making and eating, uh, but because of the context that Jesus teaches this. In, in the Gospel of Matthew, there's a sense uh, that as people come out to Jesus in the desert, in the wilderness, to him, 
for him to give them the word of God for, from a mountain, so it's called the Mount Sermon on the Mount for a reason, that he's a little bit like Moses way back, who brought all the Israelites out into the desert, out of slavery in Egypt, out into the desert and gave them God's word and his law from the mountain, from Mount Sinai. And as God miraculously then fed the multitudes of Israelites uh, in the desert with bread from heaven, manna, they called it. So Jesus takes a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish and miraculously feeds the crowds out in the desert. So you get a sense then that Jesus is he's being a little bit like Moses here. In fact, he's being the prophet that Moses anticipated many, many, many years before. And then Jesus goes on to teach that as God's people, we should ask him to give us bread. Which is to trust God with our basic needs that we might live. But to remember that he provides it. Life lived with our needs met then is always with him because he provides it. Can you see that? Interestingly, the word translated daily uh, here in both Matthew and in Luke, so in Matthew 6 and in Luke chapter 11, it's a Greek word that only appears here in the whole of the New Testament, in fact, in all of Greek, ancient Greek literature. Uh, nowhere else. It probably means something like uh, for the coming day with a hint of that day not just being today or tomorrow, but also the day of judgment, the final day, such that the bread Jesus tells us to ask for is both physical and spiritual, that we ask for our daily needs, but always with Jesus in mind, who is the bread for eternal life. See how that works? After all, uh, every meal we have, every moment we live with our needs met in this life, while we wait for that final day and beyond, we need Jesus to be with us, right? So to ask our Heavenly Father to give us our daily bread for the coming day is to acknowledge that while we need basic necessities like bread to live, we do not live on bread alone, but on God's incarnate word, Jesus Christ. It's to ask for life with Jesus every day, forever. The uh, reformer, Martin Luther, he uh, helpfully links the physical side of this, the, the bread and the physical necessities, uh, to all the industry and government that makes it possible for us to get our daily necessities, from bakers to truck drivers to companies to government regulations, such that to ask God to give us bread is actually to ask him to give success to all levels of society. Uh, after all, the Apostle Paul writes... I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Saviour, who wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. So to ask God to give us our daily bread is to pray for good government and industry and society, uh, to pray that this uh, might be so, so that we might live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness are all with God's desire to see all people saved from that day, that final day, and come into a knowledge of living with Jesus every day until that day. Uh, when Megs and I, uh, a number of years ago now, were in Crete, uh, in the small streets of the old town of the city of Rathimno, uh, we stumbled across a really cool bakery 
And I found myself being uh, just as interested in uh, the baker uh, as in the beautiful bread that she was making and selling. She was just so deft with the uh, pastry as she prepared these incredible pieces of art. They were really pieces of art uh, for the oven and then as they came out of the oven to display them. Watching her make the bread was as good as the bread that she made. And in the same way, as we ask our Heavenly Father to give us our daily bread, let's notice the baker, Jesus, and ask for him to always be with us as we live with him off all the daily goods that he gives us. All right. The next thing that Jesus instructs us to pray is to forgive us our our debts or sins, as he says in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, Jesus pictures sin as a debt. That is something outstanding that we owe God. And at core, that debt is the debt of love. God clearly says we're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your strength. And yet I'm pretty sure if we're honest, none of us have done this. None of us have loved God with all our heart, soul and strength. Even though that's exactly what God deserves, being God. And this is what sin is. Spending our strength on loving other things and other people more than God. Committing our inner thoughts and our will to pursue other things and uh, other people more than God. Desiring other things and people more than God. And who's done this? We all have, right? We've all got a debt of unpaid love to God. Love we've not only failed to show God, love we've uh, failed to plan or even want to show him. And our debt is astronomical and beyond us to pay. The due date is a perpetual now and we're in ever-increasing arrears. We're not just not loving God as he deserves, we're actually hating him. And rightly this angers him and there's got to be a reckoning. There's got to be some satisfaction for that debt, for that outstanding debt. Just like nature abhors a vacuum, so does God's justice. It needs to be filled, satisfied. And the consequence for denying God the love that he deserves is to suffer a life outside of his love. Weakness, pain, meaninglessness, despair, slavery to destructive desires and the fear of death, which is why we all die and why we all deserve to go to hell. And yet, mercifully, God has paid that debt in the life and death of his son, Jesus. Jesus lived the life we should have lived and he died the death we should have died so that the debt of our sin might be mercifully paid in full. That means we're forgiven. Relationship restored with God. And Jesus instructs us to ask our Heavenly Father for this, to forgive us. Assuming we already know something of his forgiveness in Jesus. As the prayer goes on, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Which Jesus goes on to say is important to pray Because he says if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, this isn't to say that we can earn God's forgiveness by forgiving others. Jesus elsewhere says that forgiveness is a gift from God. No one can earn it. So in this model prayer, Jesus is teaching as we receive God's forgiveness, we're to desire to forgive others. That's the point of Jesus' parable later in Matthew about the unmerciful servant. Uh, The story goes, the parable goes, 
that uh, a king shows his servant mercy and cancels his debt after he begs him, but then the servant finds a fellow servant who owes him and doesn't have mercy and doesn't cancel his debt and gets him thrown in jail. Uh, but then the king finds out and uh, ends up throwing that unmerciful servant in jail. The point that Jesus is making with this parable, this story, uh, that knowing the great merciful forgiveness of our Heavenly Father should make us want to forgive others who've sinned against us. And so if we don't, then it's at least a sign that we haven't really understood nor received God's merciful forgiveness in Jesus. We should forgive others as we have been forgiven. Now, I'm not going to pretend uh, to understand the hurt and pain of what others perhaps have done to you. I'm not going to pretend to understand just how difficult the thought of forgiving someone who's really hurt you or someone that you love might be, let alone actually forgiving them. But here's the thing. God had forgiveness in mind before the creation of the world. The cliche is true. While to err is human, to forgive is divine. And perhaps as such, for us to forgive others then, it's not an act of willpower on our part, but an act of God's grace. And any desire to genuinely forgive, this just can't be mustered up. We can't just bring ourselves to it just on mere personal willpower and strength. It's got to be received as a gift. And so maybe then in using the the Lord's model prayer here, as we ask for God's forgiveness in Jesus, that we ask God also for the grace to forgive others. And if that's too difficult because of the rawness of the hurt and the sin done against us, then at least to ask God to help us to ask for the grace to forgive others. Or if even that's too difficult, then at least tell God our refusal to forgive someone at the moment because of how hurt and angry we are. Bearing in mind that our failed and fumbling thoughts and attempts at forgiveness, they are included amongst all the unrighteousness that God promises to purify us from. As we read in 1 John, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. See, to err is human, to forgive is divine. And so as Jesus instructs us to ask for our Heavenly Father's forgiveness, we're to also ask at least for the desire to forgive others. And that brings us to the uh, final part of the Lord's Prayer, uh, at least as it stands in the Bible. Lead us not into temptation. Now, I know traditionally uh, there's the doxology, you know, for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, now and forever. But that was actually added on later by a a zealous church father. Uh, It's not... And this isn't an entire... It's an entirely good and appropriate thing to pray. Uh, Indeed, to end in praising God is precisely what the book of Psalms does with with a bunch of Psalms towards the end, simply praising God. But that's after this final section that Jesus teaches where where he instructs us to to pray, lead us not into temptation. Now, at first glance, this might seem like a strange thing to ask God, right? Surely we could assume God wouldn't lead us into temptation. Indeed, Elsewhere, we're explicitly told that God doesn't tempt anyone to sin, but we're told that Jesus himself was led out into the desert by the Holy Spirit to be tempted by Satan. So Satan is the one doing the tempting, not God. But that was something God ordained to happen with Jesus, 
And who's to say he hasn't ordained something similar for us? So why would we be asking, uh, would Jesus be instructing us to ask God to not do something that perhaps he's already ordained to happen for us? Now, if at core, prayer is asking God to keep his promises, and all God's promises are fulfilled in Jesus, how does this prayer to ask God to not lead us into temptation fit in with God's promises to us in Jesus? Well, I think our mate Don Carson, the uh, theologian and writer, uh, he makes a, a helpful suggestion. He reckons Jesus is using a literary device here called Lutotus. I know, it sounds pretentious, <laughs> but it's really cool. It's really cool. And amazingly, we use it all the time. Uh, the comedian Carl Barron, he uses it, uses it all the time in his routines. He's got one joke where he goes on and on about how Aussies are just so understated. Uh, like a, voca- a volcano, he says, could erupt uh, in the middle of Queen Street in Sydney and someone will go, that's a bit hot. Or a bloke next to him on the plane, uh, there's a wing on fire and he could turn to him and go, well, that's not good. You know what they are? They're Latotas. Understating something to make a point. You know, hyperbole is exaggerating something to make a point. Well, Latotas is understating something to make a point. Usually in a negative. That's not great when it's actually appalling. Uh, he does okay when he's actually brilliant. Uh, lead us not into temptation when actually you're asking the opposite. Lead us into righteousness into breaking the cycle of temptations, sin, confessing, forgiveness, temptations, sin, confessing, forgiveness, and asking God to break that cycle and lead us not into temptation and sin again, but into living righteously, which is something God saves us for and promises us in the Holy Spirit, and which in turn will deliver us from the evil one. Uh, the evil one, Satan and his minions, they're all bent on tempting us and turning us towards sin and guilt and condemnation. But if we're being led into righteous living by our Heavenly Father with the Holy Spirit, then we'll escape the wiles of the evil one. And so to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, would be something like asking our Heavenly Father to teach us and rebuke us and correct us and train us in righteousness so that we might not only be thoroughly equipped to live righteously, but not be unaware of the devil's schemes, especially his schemes to tempt us with unforgiveness and bitterness given Jesus' emphasis here in Luke 11. So there we have it. The Lord's Prayer, where Jesus teaches us to ask our Heavenly Father things, that he give us our daily bread, that he forgive us as we forgive others, and that, we lead, that he lead us in righteousness. Uh, all these things he more that he's more than eager to give us because he promised them to us in Jesus by the Holy Spirit. And so all we need to do, as Jesus says, is ask. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. So let's spend the next few minutes quietly doing that by ourselves, doing just that, asking our Heavenly Father for these things. Don't worry. Don't worry if you feel that your prayer is indelicate or shameless, uh, if you feel like a sham or presumptuous before God. Don't worry. No matter how out of place or uncouth 
we might feel before God our Heavenly Father is more than willing to give us good gifts, the best gifts offered in the Lord's Prayer by the Holy Spirit. So let's spend some time now using those last uh, sections, those last three sections, particularly uh, of the Lord's Prayer, uh, to pray and ask and spend time with God now.